Hey everybody, welcome to For the Record, episode number 110. Um, so, I should give a an explanation as to why this went up so late and why there's been such a lack of not only content for the podcast, but content for the actual site. Um, for those of you who just listen on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, this is, the podcast is an extension essentially and another uh, channel for uh, my uh, media outlet, which is called Shameless Promotions and Media. Um, it's based in the San Francisco Bay Area, d- covers concerts, interviews artists, just all that stuff, and, and really kind of explores the craft of songwriting and um, just everything music, I guess is the best way I can say it. Um, I've been trying to be on a, as consistent of a schedule as I possibly could this year, was trying to put at least two up a week, Wednesday and Friday. Uh, it didn't go through as planned, even though there were weeks where it was great, weeks where it wasn't so great and nothing went up. Um, but this past week in general was pretty crazy because it's almost been a month um, exactly since another episode has gone up. So I had a bunch of episodes scheduled and a bunch of um, things ready to go, but I actually had a really severe family emergency that I had to attend. And it was actually the day after... I recorded this episode today, which was supposed to go up weeks ago, um, to Dreamcatcher. Again, I'm terribly sorry for this going up so late, and you guys are wonderful for being so understanding with this. Um, But then after the family emergency, I ended up getting really sick, and I just, since I run the site on my own right now, and I'm in the process of building up a staff and adding more people to it, and... um, it's just it I've I've said this before I think in past episodes it's been a very weird year and it's been a pretty hard year and I think everyone kind of has the general consensus with whatever's been going on in their lives right now but this was a pretty tough year and the site was and the podcast have been a little bit slower than they always have been um basically I'm terribly sorry for any delay in content that I've been posting um I feel like I always say that and I really do want to make a change with making sure that in 2018 episodes do go up every week. Um, so to everyone who's been listening, thank you so much. Please keep listening, um, and we're really going to get on track with this in 2018. Um, but this episode, um, thank you for listening to that whole intro. If you've made it this far, great. If you've hit the skip button, I totally understand. Um, this uh, was Chelsea Tyler, who is the vocalist for a really amazing uh, band called Dreamcatcher. They put out an incredible album this year called Hold Your Love. Um, it came out last month, and we um, we sat down over, uh, not Skype, but uh, she called in, and we had a great conversation about the making of the record, about songwriting, about just, and, and I guess the, longev- the longevity of how long the project really took to come to fruition and how much time really does go in behind the scenes when it comes to a band uh, making a full record, an EP. Like, it, it was it was really, honestly, one of my favorite conversations I've had on the show. Um, so I'm very excited to show it to everyone. But um, without further ado, I'm going to not do sponsors for this episode. We'll do that in the new year. Um, this is episode number 110 of For the Record with Chelsea Tyler of Dreamcatcher. Enjoy.
this is Jared. Hey, this is Chelsea. How are you? Hey, Chelsea. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Sorry, Mr. Call. My phone is acting crazy. No, you're all good. What kind of phone is it? Oh, it's an iPhone. I think it's like that whole software thing when you got to update it, and I don't want to because it's yeah. doing the weird stuff. So. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Why, that's exactly why I asked because the iPhone has been glitching so much as I say that on while receiving a call on my iPhone so I, t I totally get it yep man iPhones man Woo. well it's I mean have you heard the thing that I, I've told this to people and some people end up being shocked by this but um, the reason that the phones glitch at least like other than occasional software bugs is the software that they put on like the, when they, whenever they put out a new phone, they obviously put out a new version of software with it. That software is supposed to is made to be more compatible only with the new version. So every yeah. upgrade, your phone becomes less compatible, and it gets you to buy the new one, and on and on forever, and you're trapped in the uh, pit of the Apple products. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I hear that it's like a little bit of that as well as like your phone has to go through and like rebuild a bunch of stuff, like. And like re-encrypted or something like that as well. So yeah, that, know, that yeah, that's why. Like usually when you do the the update, like the very first time, it'll take like it it can take up to an hour depending on how fast your stuff and how much stuff you've got on your phone. But yeah, it's crazy. So I feel it. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, man. Yeah. Well, it's great to talk to you. I'm excited to um I'm excited to speak with you. I loved listening to Hold Your Love. It was a very um, it was very just ambient and spacey, but at, but still catchy, which can be, I, the last time I heard a band do that was, um, like that, that it really stuck with me was Amorosa back in 2010, I think on their self-titled. It was just, it, it very much, it, it evoked memories of that. So it was really enjoyable to listen to. Oh man, that's really cool. I, uh, I take vocal lessons with Bradley, who's the new singer of Amorosa. No fucking way. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, that's a that's a lovely compliment. I, I love that band. Yeah. Oh, they're so good. They're I mean, they're one of my favorite. I I've, I loved them when they were with when they were with Johnny. I love them now with Bradley. I really I loved them when they had uh, Chris. I believe was their very first singer. Like no matter who they've mm -hmm. put in, it's just been they evolve in such a crazy crazy way. Oh yeah. 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 Great band. Yeah. Um, are you on tour right now? Or are you uh, at in at home in between tour or anything like that? Uh, so we're home here in Baltimore right now, um, and we will be out on tour in January. It hasn't been announced yet, but we'll be out for uh, for about ten days uh, in like the East Coast in January. Nice. I'll edit that out. I won't. Um, this will go up this week, so I'll make sure to uh, cut that. So we'll keep it a surprise for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for sure. So, well, you're from. I was gonna start with this. You, you guys are from Baltimore. Um, I guess did you grow up there? Was that? Did you did you move like? And and if and if you grew up here, how did that? I guess how did that lead into your introduction to music and coming into that and in, coming into the music scene in later years? Yeah. Um. So. I wasn't uh, I wasn't born or raised in Baltimore. I moved to uh, I moved to Maryland when I was like 14, 15 years old. Okay. Um. So in the middle of like my freshman year of high school. Where'd you originally? And, uh, where were you originally from? Uh. So I was born in Arizona and then moved to Mississippi, then to Alabama, and then I moved to North Carolina. And I I say that that's kind of where I'm from. Wow. In Charlotte, North Carolina. <laughs> Um, cause that's when I kind of like first like was introduced to music and the local music scene and 
and all of that kind of stuff. So for yeah. sure, it's kind of where I like to say that I'm from. Uh, at this point, I've been in, in Baltimore the longest I've lived anywhere. So, you know, it, it's home now, but Charlotte's definitely where a lot of, like, my, my formative years were, so to speak. Definitely. I mean, did you start going to shows at, like, I mean, the general, everybody usually starts going around, like, 13, 14, 15. I mean, was that, is that fair yeah. to say? Yeah. Yeah, so the first the first drummer uh, that I ever played with, like, and actually started a band with when I was, like, in middle school, uh, her brother was in high school, so, like, you know, he knew all the cool local bands because, you know, all the local bands were in high school. And uh, so, luckily, uh, when I was growing up, we had some really, like, killer, killer local bands, um, like The Verdict and Mona Ray and uh, One Amazing Kid. They were all, like, legendary in Charlotte. And um, so I started going to those shows and, and seeing bands and kind of talking to them and meeting them. And, you know, it just kind of, I just fell in love. And that's, I just knew that that was, that was it, you know. Yeah, it's like you're indoctrinated at that point. You can't, it's like, well, I'm in this. I can't leave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was just like, it was just like love at first sight, you know, like what people like see in the movies or something. Like that's, that's just how I felt about it. it. It's just, there's never been any other thought in my head after, after that kind of like those moments going to those first few shows. Oh, absolutely. I mean, really, I think you said it perfectly. It's like something out of a movie. There's, there's no, there's no moment like it. Like you almost, I, I, like I kind of remember the moment where I, I thought, yeah, I'm supposed to be here. This is the defining, like as, as cliche and weird as it sounds, I, it's everyone at a certain moment has that defining thing that happens to them. And it kind of, um, it just pulls the, it just pulls you in. Exactly. It's, it's cool when you like, because I feel like a lot of people get those moments and aren't lucky enough to understand that it's one of those moments. And even at like that kind of young age, I kind of really just felt like, like it was just one of those, those moments that it just like, it, it was just defining. And I'm just like, you know, I'm grateful that I was like able to realize that at that age, you know? Definitely. What drew you to Baltimore then? Like, I mean, going from, I mean, it's still on the, it's still on the East coast. It's still within yeah. not, I mean, not as far, but at the same time, like, what I guess what drew you up there was it school was it uh, family job? Yeah, it was a. Uh, my I have a I have a very wonderful father who when I was born we had nothing and you know by the time I graduated high school we had a lot and you know we had a good good thing going and everything so you know he just kept getting promoted so he uh, you know made the move to to Baltimore which I was super super angry about when I was you know a fourteen year old yeah. angsty kid but. Um, <laughs> You know, we made the move, and you know, luckily my life has turned out the way it has. So again, another another good move, even though when I was young I couldn't really understand it. No, it, it, totally. I, I mean, so, so at that point you've moved, you're an angsty teenager. You don't really know, like, you just kind of want to get out of the town. You don't really want to do. I guess when did you when did you discover? I guess the Baltimore music scene, and how did that in turn lead you to? joining Dreamcatcher or forming because I, I read that the band has gone through a number of lineup shifts with mm-hmm. even with a period that almost led to the demise of the band and just kind of ending altogether but when did you come into the picture how did everything come together when did I guess what yeah when did you come into the scene essentially um so I started a band in high school with just some people I met on some message board in in the little county that I lived in because luckily that that music scene was doing pretty well uh, so I started a band called The Aviator Set, and, you know, it was I was in that band until I was, like, 20, 19, 20 years old. Um, 
and you know, as a high school band, like you, you know, we wrote some stuff. We never really put much out. We got a little bit more serious after high school, but like we just never really had it together. And the, you know, it was just like one of those bands. And uh, through that, I met uh, Craig, who plays bass for Dreamcatcher, and is uh, one of the like original members of Dreamcatcher. Um, so after the Aviator part, we had kind of been like working with Brian, who plays guitar for us. Um, and he'd been doing some like co-writing and some production and some different things. So, um, you know, we had already been working together and then, you know, Brian and his, like he left his other band and, um, obviously Craig and I were trying to start a new project and it just kind of fell into place that the three of us are, you know, we were living together for a little bit and, you know, we were just best friends and wanted to all make music and make music together. And, you know, we got really lucky that we were able to do that. So that's kind of how the band started. And as far as lineup change, we went through, we've been through a lot of different like members with drummers and everything. And then there was a period uh, while we were like writing and recording this record where, where Craig left the band. And then at, you know, by the time the record was being mixed and was finally going to come out, uh, Craig came back to the band. So it's been a very full circle kind of thing. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, that's an impressive history. I mean, that that's a story in and of itself, and I feel like we could, I feel like we could even fill up an episode uh, just of of the podcast at that point with just the story of how you guys came together and then uh, recorded the record at that point. Yeah, it's a it's a very full like it's a very full story. There's a lot of stuff that went down and a you know a, a lot of crazy stuff that happened, and you know it's just really cool that it it came full circle and there is like so much history and so much to it. Because I feel like people don't really know, as a young band, people don't really know anything. They know, like, oh, this is a young band. This band, like, must have just started. Like, but we've been a band for, you know, a really, really long time. And even before we were Dreamcatcher, we were a different band that was had similar goals. So, it's, you know, it's been a... It's been a long time of us working together, you know? Yeah, it's it's funny, like, how everybody thinks... I mean, when when people see that there's a band that comes together and is suddenly in the middle of the spotlight, everyone thinks, oh, they've they've gotten uh oh they they put out one record they got so lucky and then and now they're touring and they're they're everywhere and they're super famous and it's like the reality when you look back 99% of the those bands have been together for at least 5 years or more and maybe 1% of them are the ones that are like that got lucky to where they made one record and then got in the spotlight. So it, it it's very funny yeah. how like even though you guys just put out your debut, you have this full story already behind you and this whole just this his this really rich history of stuff that's happened. Yeah, we talk about that a lot. We call it we call it the ten year rule. Like every band that actually like seems like they blow up overnight, they they spend ten years. Uh for example, the 1975, yep. 10 years of band before they did anything and got as big as they're getting. Uh, the National was like 10 years as a band before they started like doing really, really well. Um, Tegan and Sarah, Death Cab for Cutie, all these bands, it was 10 years of just work, grinding, whether they were releasing records or not, writing, rewriting, perfecting their craft, changing their name. You know, so there's a long history of something like that. And for us, like when people like, people ask all the time they're like oh why do you keep pursuing this like you know is it is it moving for you like is anything happening and it's like you got to work you got to work really hard and you've got to be really dedicated and that that's what shows you shows you results and that's a you know with this record especially was something that we really had to learn was just patience and there were so many times where we were going to 
end the band. We were just going to throw the record online with how it sounded originally and, you know, all this stuff. But it just came down to learning patience and how to how to really just learn how to get comfortable with the weight. The, the hardest part is being patient, but I find that the, you get better results when you when you are patient and, you know, you take your time and you're methodical and, you know, it's just, you know, it's a, it's a lot of, a lot of work and people don't realize, like they think being in a band is all fun and games and rock and roll and, you know, drugs and drinking, but it's, it's the complete opposite. You know, it's, it's a lot of work and grinding and hard nights and, you know, we own a business, so we've got to get a, a tax guy and all kinds of crazy stuff. So, you know, the, the truth to the story now is in this, this age of of music is that the bands have a lot more control and a lot more freedom but you gotta be you know tough on yourself and you've got to put in work or it's not going to go anywhere yeah that's i mean that's the the that gets to the dangerous part because you're in this totally free market now where people can go oh man i can run my entire business from the comfort of my home or from the road and you can we can do everything we don't need the labels we don't need this and that and then you see like oh it's actually way harder than we thought it was going to be because these have so much more responsibility added on to that. Whereas you kind of realize, oh, the labels actually and management, that all did actually does play a part and is an important thing. Yeah, like you don't you don't know until you kind of get into it. And I feel like, you know, a lot of our like member changes and everything like that has been because of reasons like that to where people give themselves a time limit and they're like, oh, like it, I'm going to, I'm going to pursue this for a year and see what happens. And then I'll reevaluate. And we tell ourselves the same thing. Like there's so many times that, you know, before bed, I look at Brian and I'm like, man, like, you know, in a year from now, if we're not in a better spot, like, I don't know if we can keep doing this. And then a year from now, you're like, we've done some cool things. Like, you know, and you say the same thing over and over again, but you don't think about it when it's good. You only think about it when it's not going well. And that's when you have to like, that's when you have to, you know, push down and really really fight for it if you love it and if you don't love it then you're in the wrong thing you know yeah would you say that the i guess the i don't know if tension is the correct word but the just all of the things that were going on the external factors that were going in when you were recording how you said you had someone leave during the recording and then or after the recording and then come back and all this other stuff would you say that that played into anything that was heard on hold your love or any of the intensity in those moments or was that something that you think maybe just like you might draw from as a lyricist or as a songwriter on later records um no well everything that's been going on with the band is documented on the record um which is really cool and it was really really difficult because you know like i said there were times where we didn't know if the record would come out and for me, I just ended up using using the band as my diary, which is what I've always done with music. And, and as a songwriter, it's just what I write. It's my diary, almost actual sentences from my diary put to music. And so, you know, this record is a lot about, you know, what happened with, you know, because Craig, who plays bass, is, is my best friend. And, you know, so when, when he left, it was a lot, there was a lot that went on and with, you know, everyone else who had left before him or come back and all of that stuff and how difficult it was to hang on to the band and how to hang on to the record and everything. That Yeah, when when in the timeline did, um, I guess, when, when in that timeline of lineup changes and getting everything solidified, did Hold Your Love, when did that come into play? Like, when did the beginnings of 
the first scraps of, of lyrics and songwriting? When did that first start? And then how soon after that did the record become finalized? And what we what I like what I just listened to the other day. Um. So we started writing before our first EP ever came out. Um, like the day that I finished tracking vocals for the first EP that we did um, was the day that I wrote the song Gun. Uh, and like we had like a little bit of the instrumental, like just like the guitar parts kind of like maybe figured out on acoustic guitar before like I sat down with it and finished it. Um, but I finished that song the day I was done tracking vocals for our uh, first EP Wonderlust. And um, so we started in, in 2013 writing this record, like, you know, maybe late late summer, early fall 2013. Yeah. And uh, we finished the record and had it mastered in, like, August or September or something like that. So the record took from 2013 to, you know, a couple months ago to, to finish. Wow. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's insane. But, I mean, at the same time, it's, it's, it's kind of cool to look back and see that it, it, it's a snapshot of that time and how much you guys have... I mean, listening to that now and hearing it back, do you feel like you guys are the same band or do you feel like... Because I, I know someone who put out a record last year and then they listened to it from start to finish again a year later and they were like, I'm not near where, anywhere close to where I am as a musician now. Like, well, I mean, what did you guys think when you heard it back after that long of a period of time? Um, so we, we had... We- we recorded all the all of the records and had it done i think summer of 2016 or something but we just weren't happy because we had a we had a goal that we wanted to achieve with this record and we felt like we didn't make that and and we needed to put more work into it so we ended up scrapping some like you know vocal tracks and retracking them and taking the record somewhere else to be mixed and you know those guys added some stuff that they loved and so it was a a really big process and when we finally got to hear the record and like when we got our test presses on vinyl, uh, because that was a big deal with us and why we wanted to, you know, we wanted to have a record come out on vinyl finally. Yeah. Because that's, that's just kind of how we listen to music and how we wanted to hear ourselves. And the night that Brian and I sat down and listened to the, listen to hold your love on vinyl. Like it, it was one of the best moments of my life because it's just, everything came full circle and all these stories and everything that happened and, you know, all of that weight, you know off of our shoulders and i'm just i'm grateful for the opportunity and the experiences we went through with with losing members and everything that went on because it it made us better people and it made us better musicians and it taught us patience and perseverance and so for me now i get to i get to listen to this record that i have you know i hated for a really long time for like years i hated this record and it was killing me and uh, lucky, luckily, I got to the point where I listen to this record almost every day, and I'm so in love with it, and so in love with the story and everything that happened. So, you know, I'm just, I'm just so grateful for for everything that happened. And you know, if you would have asked me two years ago if I would consider myself grateful for what was going on in my life, I would have been like, no, absolutely not. Yeah. Um, well, I think I think the other cool thing, going back on something you said about how it just it was that moment where you kind of breathed a sigh of relief when you were able to listen to it on vinyl. The cool thing about vinyl is that it's something that you can physically hold and it's it's got a much warmer tone to it. I'm sure as someone who listens to vinyl, I'm I am saying something that is probably repetitive at this point, but I I can't even imagine how cool that must have felt to just kind of be like, 
okay, it's playing and it's spinning through against the needle and on the turntable and it's done and holy shit, I can breathe now, finally. Yeah, I mean, it was, I may have cried, I can't remember, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure I cried for like half the record because it was just like, it was just, you know, it taken so long and it taken such a toll on me and like, you know, my, my relationships with, you know, everyone in life and with myself and, you know, there was a lot of dark things happening in, in my personal life writing that record and it's on the record, like everything that was happening with me, like every, everything is in, in those words and in that music and, you know, you can hear when my voice breaks in certain songs like that, that's real. Like I was in the studio having fits, like, you know, that's, it's all, it's all real. And like, for me to finally get to hear it in that context and hear like that, it was everything I, I was hoping that it would turn into. Like, that was just like, you know, it was so fulfilling and, you know, I'm just, I'm excited. And, and, you know, then I, then I totally got scared. I was like, Oh no, they're going to actually hear my diary. Like, can we not put it out now? <laughs> because it's like, you know, my, my deepest, darkest secrets are on this record. And, you know, while that's, scary it's been so cool since it came out and everyone's been saying such nice things and you know I've had some you know conversations with some people that like I didn't know before the record came out I didn't know they cared about my band or listened and you know I was having conversations that's like hey you know this song's really getting me through right now like I'm I'm not doing well in life and like it's just like it's cool to it's cool that people can connect because like I've been there and like I just you know I music for me it it saved me every time i thought i was going going crazy like music was there whether it was listening or playing or writing or, or whatever like and i'm just like it's it's so mind-blowing that anyone thinks the same thing about my music you know absolutely i mean given what you just said about how it how it your, some of your deepest darkest secrets were on this and this was it was much more of a diary for you in terms of recording and writing the lyrics out what does the phrase hold your love mean and what does it represent for the overall theme or the overall idea of the album? Um, so, um, I, this funny story. So I, uh, I got our record title tattooed to me in French and for multiple reasons, like I, I took French in high school and, and fell in love with the culture and the language. Um, and I have a little bit of ancestry there and everything, but I got I got our album title tattooed on my arm in French because the most beautiful thing about that language is you can say things in so many different ways, but the context changes depending on how um, how you say it and what words you use and everything like that. Yeah. Um, and so, like, the, the kind of context with hold your love is to retain your love, to keep your love. And that's really what the whole record is about, is this feeling of losing something, losing, you know, your, you know, your love. You're trying to just grasp it. It feels like it's falling from you and you don't know if you're jumping after it or you fell out of a window and it, it came out of your hands. Like you don't know what's going on with it, but you just know that you want to keep it and that you would do anything for it and, you know, hold your love and, you know, it's a, a way to talk about how we feel about our band and, you know, how we feel about each other and how we feel about music in general. So that's, that's kind of where it came from. It, we, we went through a couple of different titles with the record and we heard like the, the mixes, like the new mixes, and we heard it mastered. And Brian was like, you know, I think Hold Your Love should be the title. And we sat with it for a couple of days and it just it just felt so right, you know. 
Absolutely. I, I mean, and that's really, that's really cool to hear kind of how that, I mean, just the idea of that theme and then hearing the record and how with, with all of your lyrics and how that plays into it, it just kind of it enhances it even more for me. I think that's really awesome. And I think people will really get a kick out of that when they listen to the album, if they haven't already listened to it yet. Um, I mean, does that, does that title play into the artwork at all? Because the artwork is really trippy to look at. Was it a, was it, was that a specific image or was that meant to be more of like, it almost feels like more of a Rorschach test, like those inkblot tests. Like it's like you could kind of see different things in it. Yeah. Well, we, um, so the, we were like looking for artwork and everything and we found this like amazing tattoo artist, um, who had this image of a guy kind of like falling and like there was this rose that looked like it was like falling from his hands or toward his hands and we really related to that and that's like kind of a lot of like where hold your love kind of came from and where that idea kind of started for us was just like that particular like image that he had made and so we kind of had that that feeling of like you know roses and falling and you know we wanted it to be something that was just beautiful and dark and reminded us of the record and you know was confusing and, and maybe a little weird and uh we worked with uh with Nick Ewing from from local native he plays bass in that band and oh, he's cool. a, a great great artist and you know visual artist he's the work he's done is gorgeous so our manager um manager's friends with him and you know he sent over a bunch of images and when we saw that that image that's on the cover it was just it just felt right you know it was just like this it's weird, like you don't know what's going on, but it's like you can tell it's a, a girl and it's sad, but she's turning into these flowers and they're beautiful, but they're dead and she don't really know like what's happening. And then it bends back into this woman again. And like, it just kind of felt like how, how I felt with this whole record. And, you know, we just felt so lucky to finally get that, the nail on the head. And once we saw the artwork and, you know, change the name of the, the record to hold your love, I think it's just like, you know, we kind of felt like, man, like this, this is real now. Like this record is, is ready. Like it's ready and it, it has the right imagery and it sounds like it looks and it looks like it sounds. And, you know, it, and it comes down to like, like I said, we love vinyl and like we always wanted to have one of our records on vinyl. And, you know, I just got to see it for the first time, like in person today when I got home and, and it's just so cool. Like I can't wait to get home tonight and like, listen to it and look at it and feel it and like just stare at that image while I listen to the records. Like yeah. that's one of the things I did as a kid. And, you know, that's, that's how that the artwork kind of made me feel. It made me feel like I was a kid, like looking at a Nirvana record for the first time, except it, it's mine, you know? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's one of those, it's one of like, I mean, kind of what I was saying earlier, vinyl is just, it's one of those art forms that is so, it really adds another layer to music. Like I used to, I, I grew up, I didn't have a, a record player until it started to kind of come back in style. Cause you just, you, they weren't really available. And then they started putting them out and I thought it was awesome, but I had CDs and I was really for a long time against just like always buying CDs unless I couldn't find it at the store. Um, because I loved looking through the artwork and I loved holding it and, really like i i've always said music is 50 percent visual in in a weird way because it's it plays to the artwork the stage presence of something if there's like a music video for something whatever it is so um i think that's i think that's really cool how it all ties in for you guys 
Yeah, and I used to do the same thing. Like as a as a kid, like looking at lyrics and like all of that. Like that was just like it just was so special. And with vinyl, like it's just special again because like everyone, you know, we all listen to music on our phones and on Spotify and all that. Yeah. It's, convenient and it's cool and it's easy and you pay 10 bucks a month and listen to almost anything you want and then vinyl for me like when i love a record i buy it on vinyl as soon as i can like Same. because i i want to sit there with it and i want to feel it and like it's an instrument playing a, a record like it's an instrument playing the instruments that you're hearing and it's just so special and feels like an actual moment again and like it's just it's cool that it's coming back and people People get to like experience what what we did as kids in the '90s and what our parents did in the '80s and the '70s and everything, you know. Definitely, um, uh, kind of going back on a song that or uh, on something that you had said earlier about um, about lyrics and one of the songs that really stuck out to me and it was one of the songs that was actually a music video um, was mm-hmm. "Blacked Out" and I thought it was an mm-hmm. incredible choice for the single and I honestly after just like one listen straight through of that i'd say it was one of the darker songs on the album in how long did that song take to come together in its form like and and i guess what if you're able to touch on it what were you going through at that moment um so we started writing the song um in like the winter maybe of i can't remember i think it was 2015 and we kind of had like a, a we you know, kind of jammed it live. I had I had a guitar riff, like that main riff that you hear, like the, you know, chords. And uh, we were yeah. playing with a great drummer who was super creative, and him and Brian made this, you know, crazy part. And, you know, we kind of jammed it and, and basically went through the whole song in like a couple, like maybe, you know, a couple hours or something. And uh, on the way home, I kind of like could hear what I wanted the melody to do. And I had the... Um, baby I want to die part kind of like just in my head and um so we kind of sat with it for a while and I didn't really come up with the lyrics until like really late into into when we were like actually finishing the writing and starting to like originally track the record and um you know while we were going through making this record like I said it was difficult people were in and out there's a lot of stuff going on like our apartment was robbed like all kinds of crazy stuff your apartment was robbed Jesus yeah, yeah, we had someone break into our apartment and rob us when we had started recording the album. Oh, my so like, God. Uh, dude, all kinds of crazy things were going on. And, like, I was losing my best friend and, you know, yeah, writing a record takes a toll on any relationship and, you know, got in the way of mine a little bit. And there's just a lot going on. And, you know, I, I was turning to alcohol and I, I already have, you know, some anxiety and depression issues like a lot of us do. And, you know, so I was going back to this, you know, you know, I I struggled a lot when I was like 19, 20 years old and, you know, overcame that. And, you know, this was kind of bringing those demons back to haunt me. And so I remember just being like, I, I was drinking a lot of tequila at the time and I, I was, you know, not in a good spot and not treating myself well. And I was just over it one night and I didn't know what to do when I was, you know, pissed drunk and I was just like, I just sat there and I wrote that song and I wrote it to that person that I was being, but I just tried to pretend that I was in a better spot. Like it was like, oh man, 30 year old me is like, that's who's talking to me right now. Like someone who has it together and has been through it and has gotten through it. And so the video is exactly how I feel about the song. It's it's a clear headed, you know, together me on one side of the door and the on the other side of the door is, is me falling apart. And it's just, 
me trying to beg myself to get it together and to come back and to, to figure out what, what to do and to just try to get better because, like, I didn't, I didn't know what else to do. And that song for me was, like, one of the first times that, you know, that while doing this this record, I started to kind of come back and started to feel better again. And, you know, this song was kind of that moment where I was, like, had to look in the mirror and be like, you know, I need to I need to figure my, my shit out and, and do something different. Um, because whatever I was going through, like it wasn't, I wasn't getting better. Drinking wasn't helping, you know, nothing was helping. And that song luckily is, is what started helping. Given the time that passed between the writing of that song and how you were kind of writing it to your future self and the person who you thought had it together, do you think that you've, on a personal level, do you think you've gotten to that part where you feel more together or even just like it, it, like incrementally had self-improvement for yourself as a person or as a writer as who as who you wanted to be yeah writing that song to me like that that's you know the whole record is, is a very honest record I don't pull any punches I say what I mean and what I feel and blackout was one of those songs where it was just a you know, it, it's real, you know, like it, it's all very real. And so that song to me that just kind of made me feel better that I was finally able to be honest in, in my songwriting. And I could feel that the record was starting to shift towards that, towards me being, you know, me being honest. And, um, and since, you know, then we've gone through a lot once we had to start, you know, mixing the record and all that. And like, you know, like I said, the first mixes weren't what we wanted and we had to put another, you know, year of work into the album. And, you know, there's a lot of self-doubt and I would go back to that song and, you know, it would help me again. And, you know, I'm very, very lucky that right now I'm feeling good and healthy and clear headed and excited and, you know, inspired and, you know, life is really cool. And even though there's like still bad things that happen day to day, like, you know, I'm able to kind of see something and be like, well, you know, this might suck, but this happened and it wouldn't have happened if this sucky thing wouldn't have happened. So um, luckily I'm, I'm feeling feeling good there. And, you know, I don't doubt that there's going to be times where, you know, I, I don't feel good again and, you know, it's okay. And, you know, I'm just, I hope that someone hears that song or sees that video and just understands like you're not alone and, and other people feel that way. And, you know, that's, that's that's it you know that it's people go through things and people get over things and some things are harder to get over and some things you can't get over and you know but you're not alone humans everyone feels it you could look at the most like you know i'm sure kim kardashian spends more time being depressed than anyone would ever know you know but yeah she doesn't play it off that way but everyone hurts you know and i just hope that when people hear this record they they don't feel alone in that, you know, that other people feel it. And, you know, I just, you know, I, I'm lucky that I have a great support system and a great manager and a great, a great bandmates and great friends to, to put in a great family, you know, to pull me through things like that. And, you know, if someone doesn't have that, but they have this record and they connect to it, like you've got us. And that's, you know, I, I just hope people can feel that with the record. Yeah. Well, this is the this is the final question for the interview, and this is uh, it's it's a rather broad question, and it's something that you had actually uh, said. I th- you said part of an answer to it a little bit earlier on, but what does music mean to you? Oh, everything. Uh, you know, I don't think my life wouldn't be what it is without music. Like from from the time I was a kid, 
jumping on my bed listening to, you know, uh, Third Eye Blind, pretending I'm Stephen Jenkins, to, <laughs> to now, you know, like being in a band and getting to tour and travel and release music and connect with strangers. Like, music's everything. Music brought me to my best friend and it, it brought, brought me to, you know, the love of my life and my friends and music's everything. Like, I, I just, it's, it's everything. I don't know how else to say it. You know, it is, it's the love of my life. And that's, you know, that's that. That's a perfect way to close this. Um, and uh, lastly, where can people find you? Where can they find the band online? And uh, where can they go pick up Hold Your Love? So you can find the band at uh, dreamcatcher.com. It's D-R-M-C-T-H-R.com. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of that at uh, Dreamcatcher BND. So D R M C T H R B N D. Uh, you can find me. My name's Chelsea Tyler. My Twitter and Instagram handles at Chelsea C Tyler. So, you know, let's talk, let's be friends, and let's connect over some music. Awesome. Well, Chelsea, it was such a pleasure to talk. Uh, thank you so much for. Uh, taking the time to come on the podcast and to talk about the album. I'm excited to push this. I'm going to try to actually get this up on Wednesday, so I'll send this over when it's ready to go. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun to talk to you. No worries. Thank you again. Have a good night. You too.